fortunately, on that last contract, it was such a, a dream role and such a dream show for me that I I really gave it my all every day. That never left anything more for what I wanted to do each day. Good for you. But I have learned that's how you have to kind of do every show because you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen and you don't know how fast something can be taken away from you. Welcome back to another episode of Chapter 20-something with me, Kylie McDonald. Happy Tuesday. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We have a great episode for you today. We have the one, the only, Cody Cooley. He is an actor. He's performed all over the country, most notably thus far as Squidward in the first national tour of SpongeBob SquarePants the Musical which we all know and love. I got to see it. He's amazing. So just to see him perform on such a big stage is was just amazing. And um, I know that there's so much ahead for him too. And he really gets into his journey as a performer, but also how COVID pretty much stopped that life and how he eventually used his creativity to help him through that time and keep doing what he loves. So he's a great guy. I know you'll enjoy this conversation. So make sure to let me know what you think. Um, follow the podcast on Instagram at chapter 20 something pod. Of course, you could follow me, official Kylie McDonald, and follow Cody at play it coolly. Love the name as well. All right, guys. Other than that, oh, and rate, review, subscribe. Of course, we love to see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hope it's a great week ahead. And I will talk to you guys next week. Cody Cooley, how are you today, Cooley? Cooley, what? Am I okay? Did you hear what? <laughs> That's all right. That is my Cody. name. Cody. Um, I am uh, good. I'm I'm doing very well. Good. Well, thank you for coming on. I wanted to talk to you because you know you've experienced such success in your theater acting career, all of that, but also you're really branching out and doing some other really cool, amazing things. So. I just wanted to pick your brain on all yeah. of it for sure. Yeah. So when you were growing up, was acting always your goal? So I started dancing when I was about three. I started tap dancing when I was about three. And then I transitioned when I was about five. I did, I think my first show ever was Cinderella. And I loved theater and quickly caught the bug for that. And eventually weaned out. I mean, I still dance and I still, I competed for a while and I did 
this, that, and the other thing in the dancing world. But I really started to slowly transition into the theater world where by the time I was like 10, I was like, yeah, I want to do theater as a career or at least try it or at least, you know, I, I have that bug. So yeah. I have to, to go do that. So I would say it's been kind of ingrained. It's always been like performing has always been my thing or the arts in general. But yeah, from a pretty young age, I knew that acting was, was something that I wanted to do or at least try. So Yeah. Was dancing something that you wanted to do when you were three? Did your parents put you into a class? Yeah, like how did that so get started? They put me in um, multiple different things like softball, basketball, soccer, you know, everything. And I liked that, but I was not like loving it. I wasn't like, mm-hmm. this is the thing for me. I forget what it was, what the song was or what the album was, but I was dancing around the house and my mom asked if I wanted to go into a dance class. And I said, okay, sure. And my first class was a tap class. And like, it was like, that was uh, it. Yeah, that was it. It was like, yeah. I'd found the thing that I was supposed to do. So no, they were very, it wasn't like a forced thing. It was very much like a, you know, find your own yeah. thing that you, you want to do. That's awesome. Were you like the only yeah. boy in most of those classes growing up or? He, from what I can remember, yeah, the early years there was at my first studio, I was, I think the only guy, at least in my age group, I was the only guy. Uh, but once we moved studios, which now I've been actually teaching at kind of the studio that I, I say that I started with, cause I really started competing there and I, I really started, um, honing my skills there. They had, I think, two other guys, um, and we kind of, you know, grew up with that. And, yeah. and it's very weird because it's, yeah, you are kind of the outlier in the group, but I, I guess it's fun at the same time. So, yeah. How do, if you can like think back to that time, was that something that you were just comfortable with or was that like a, a harder thing or? It's a learning experience because it's, I mean, obviously in the quote unquote normal world, you know, if you go to like school and you tell kids that you dance when you're in elementary school or middle school, kids are like, well, you're weird and mm-hmm. you're, you know, the, the other kid. But once people reach high school age, that kind of, I it guess, stops. uh, yeah, it stops and it kind of is like, whatever, do whatever you want to do. We yeah. don't really care. But yeah, I mean, in, in the dance world, it was weird because the guys, at least when I was growing up, I'm sure it's different now, but when we, whenever we went to uh, competitions, there would be one little area for the guys' yeah. dressing room, or it would be like uh-huh. some random place in wherever <laughs> you're competing. Literally like the boys' bathroom. You're just like... <laughs> yeah, sometimes it would yeah. be the boys' bathroom, and it would yeah. be like you know, the girls have all this, you know, space and everything. I mean, understandably, because there's like two guys competing. Right. But <laughs> at the same time, it was very strange because it's like, you know, you're one out of a million girls that are there. So sure. Sure. Um, no, it was, it was interesting. And I, I'd love to see it now because I haven't been to a competition in 10, 15 years. So I'd like to be able to see what that life is like now, because I'm sure it's evolved. So one yeah. of these days I'll, I'll get I hope there. It has. I know. Yeah. Well, now you're teaching again. So, you know, yeah. maybe you'll end up there soon. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so you got an early start, obviously. So you're going into acting and theater. And so you said you were 10 at this point, going into high school and college where you like, this is what I'm doing 100%. Like, let's go. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I had stopped competing when I was probably like 12, maybe 13, and I was solely focused on theater. I was like doing any show that I could possibly do, anything in school, anything in, you know, outside as possible. If I could uh-huh. do it, I would do it. So, yeah, I don't know why, but I was just very much ready to go and I was ready to yeah, I don't know. It's a very weird yeah. thing. But it is uh, weird that I think no, I was just going to say, like, thinking back to when I was 16, and I think I was the same way, I'm like, this is what right. I'm doing 100%. It's kind of crazy because you don't know anything about the world. The people right. around you, at least in my case, are like, yeah, go ahead, do it. And I'm like, looking back at the videos of me performing when I was 16, they're not that impressive. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it was like, go to college and do this and make this a career. But honestly, I think you need a little bit of that in order to yeah. do this and to succeed. Even now, Yeah, you need some sort of drive. Yeah, absolutely. I think you need some sort of drive and you need some sort of um, no-nonsense about it. Like, this is just what I'm going to do. And it's just going to work out. And if it doesn't, oh well. But uh, it's, you know, you don't really have a plan B, I should say. Um, This is it. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That was very weird, but that's how I I was. And it's worked out. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) at least to some degree, yeah. Yeah. So then you ended up going to Ryder. Um, were you originally yeah. musical theater? Do I remember that correctly? Yes. I was musical theater the first two years. And then I had switched to theater performance so that I could go abroad to London. So, oh, well, I forgot that for a second that you did that too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. I love that that was the reason that you did that. And was it completely worth it for you? Absolutely. I mean, one is studying theater with people, you know, obviously we had a group that went. So I liked studying and and being in a place that was different. Like obviously Mm -hmm. Ryder is very close to New York and it's very, you know, American based and very like whatever. Jersey based. Yeah, Jersey based. And (laughs) studying in London was very different. Our teacher, I forget his last name, but I know his first name is Michael. But he would have uh, industry professionals come in for us, and he would, you know, he was our acting and theater or whatever over at um, at Kappa, which is where we yeah. studied. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, and it was also fun being in a new city. Like totally, you can't mm-hmm. you can't beat that. And also, especially if like you're on student loans and the government's going to pay you to go abroad, then I, go I know so, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, then you got to was... pay it, pay a million dollars back. But <laughs> it's okay. I don't care. That was like one of the most amazing times in my life thus far. Oh, I sure. think. Just because yeah. you're exploring. It was all new people for me. And that was my first time right. out of the country. So it was just Did like, anybody else go with you? No. No, it was just me. Yeah, it was just you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't, I, I'm torn back and forth because I feel like that would have been fun. But I'm also glad that I had people that I knew so we could go like trip somewhere or yes. we could do things. So mm-hmm. that, I'm glad that you had that experience though because it's, it is kind of life changing. It is. And I think that was the first time I wasn't known as like the theater girl or whatever, you know, because like they're right. all throughout my life. Like that's who I was. But then right. when I was there, I was like, oh, that's Kylie. I was like, oh, you sing. Oh, you like people don't right. know things about you. And it's like, wow, like I don't need this thing in order to be right. a person that people like, which is kind of interesting. And I, I, I don't yeah. know. I think I kind of learned that there. Yeah. No, that is valuable. That's valuable to go to a place that nobody knows you and then carve out your identity or create your identity the way that you want it to be. So, right. 
it's just a reminder that you can do that kind of at any point, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Um, so back at Ryder, you know, you had grown up knowing this is what you wanted to do as a career. Was it something that changed at all? Like what changed during your time there? Were you like still completely into it? Or did it become more real to you? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I learned that this profession is what you make it mm-hmm. rather than somebody handing you it. So of course, certain people are going to be granted certain things because they are the right type. They're the right talent set. They have the right connection, which is a huge part of it. I learned that it's not about what somebody else hands you. It's about what you make and what you can kind of get out of whatever you're putting in. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, and that was my experience. People have different experiences with Ryder, but I found after my sophomore year, I don't think that I was in a main stage production after sophomore year. I, obviously, I went abroad, but then senior year, I did a bunch of student stuff yeah. and created stuff and wrote stuff and worked on stuff. And that was probably the most rewarding time. I mean, obviously, doing shows at Ryder and doing this, that, and the other thing was really great, but I really loved the creative process. And I, I'm, I'm glad they gave us the ability to work on things that we wanted to work on if we expressed totally. we wanted to work on them. So, yeah, I think that I came out of it with a different perspective as of, like, I had always been like, oh, well, if you go to the audition, you'll get the role. Or if you go to this thing, you'll be able to do this. Because I really hadn't had that kind of shock of this is actually what the business is. Like, it is you have to actually work and you have to actually do things. Uh, you You have to create your own work. You have to explore new things. You have to, I don't know, kind of hone your what you want to do. So yeah, I think I, I I gained more desire to do it, just kind of honed what I thought the business was. I'd say I learned the same thing during my time there, because I feel like the first couple of years I was just kind of waiting for somebody to give me an opportunity. And then right. I was like, when I wasn't getting them, I'm like, oh, well maybe I should just start something and see what happens. And that's, you know, and you learn your own power during that. You also are making connections and like building with other people around you. Um, so yeah, that's a great lesson. That is truly, like you said, what you have to do. To touch on that too. I mean, the connections are wonderful as well. Like, you know, be it a colleague or a professor, I still have contacts and like, I'll see people well, at least before coronavirus would see people at Mm -hmm. auditions and would see people like, behind the table that you would never expect to be behind the table. So it's like, right. you know, it's very good to go into that type of environment, maybe not necessarily college, but in some sort of learning environment post high school, because it's kind of like a magnet of people that are going to be in the industry one way or the other. So, yes. or in some facet of the industry. So mm-hmm. that was very valuable as well. Totally. Going off of that, you start to actually enter the industry when you graduate college. Um, yeah. Did you move to the city right away? I worked that summer at St. Vincent Summer Theater, which is where Greg Brandt is oh, okay. the head of the program. But I worked for them that summer, and then I took, I want to say, four or five months back in Maryland to make some money to be able to move to New York. And then I moved yep. in January 2017 and went from there. I, I tried to make it in the city and auditioned and everything else. 
So how was that? How was that time? Were you going on auditions every day, working, like just grinding it, it out? It was a combination of both because obviously when you move to a new city, especially New York, it's like how am I going to pay my rent? Because you don't really have unless you move with the job, you don't have a job. Yeah. So mm-hmm. kind of have to figure that out. But once that was figured out, it was figured out like two months in. I was like, okay, I can easily do this city. I can make my rent. I can do everything. I started going on auditions and yeah, I was in and out of everything and eventually got something at, um, I think my first job I booked out of the city was uh, Post Playhouse, which is a theater out in Nebraska of all places, but was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was, it, it, the city is a grind because you are working and you're auditioning, but now it's kind of different because you're not having to go to auditions anymore everything's online so it's kind of better in a way but I don't know I mean I'm hoping something changes you know I've been out of it for a while but like with the 4am wake ups and having to stand online like that's just not (laughs) it's not humane and I hope that changes after this time it's crazy and you know and that's that's the thing too I mean with all of this now it's all kind of appointment based it's all like on zoom or if you're gonna go in it's gonna be a callback or it's gonna be something else so it's like right it's Whatever. worth your time to some extent. Right, right. But, yeah, that was crazy. That was a thing <laughs> that was really crazy. People waking up at, like, 2 a.m. to go stand in line for eight hours. And in then, the winter in New York? Like, yeah, it's just silly. It's like, and I, I, I was of the mind, and I, again, I'm a guy, so I don't know the, the struggles of everybody, but <laughs> I was just like, I don't want it that bad. Like, I don't want to wake up at 4 a.m. to go, like, if they really want to hire me, I'll send something or I'll, if they want me to do something, I'll have an appointment. But I just don't want to stand in the line for no. for five hours, freezing to death, no, to, to go know. dance. Mm-hmm. So it's like... <laughs> yeah, for 30 <laughs> seconds, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, I think I'm the same way, unfortunately, as much as, because I remember struggling with that at the end of college, being like, all right, am I going to go to the city and do this? And I was like, as much as I want to have this career, I'm like, I really don't think that can be me, like just standing online. It is, it is challenging. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a learning curve and you have to like, that's the other thing. Once you're out of college and once you're trying to like move into this career, you start to figure out the things that you will do and the things that you won't do, especially roles and shows that you want to do. You can have shows that you're like, I don't care what the role is. I'll do this show because I want to do this show. But then there's other things where you're like, I don't want to do that show unless I am this role. And that's it. Mm. That's something for me where I was like, I'll wake up at 4 a.m. if it's something I really want to do. But I'm not going to wake up at 4 a.m. if it's something like a show that I have no interest in. There's no role that I really want to do. I just yeah. have no reason to do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy either way. It is. It's a crazy so, life. Yeah. It's a crazy um, life. Crazy business. <laughs> so you were working, you know, throughout these years pretty steadily, I think. And then eventually the audition came up for SpongeBob, right? Yeah. So I was working out in Arizona at the time. I was doing American in Paris and Guys and Dolls. I had worked nice. out there Previously, it was at uh, Arizona Broadway Theater. I had been working for them off and on, I think, since 2018. Um, this was in the, f- the spring of 2019. And they had posted that they were searching for people for SpongeBob. And I sent in a tape at some point. I got no response. 
I was like, okay, well, they probably found somebody, whatever. And then they posted again that they were looking for a Squidward again. And I was like, oh, maybe they're looking for the understudy or something. I, I don't know. You know, something fell through. I don't know. So I sent in again and they contacted me. I had just finished Guys and Dolls. I was going back to the city. They contacted me and they said, can you come in for a call? I said, yeah, absolutely. And there was maybe about 12 to 14 guys. And we did a tap combination. And we eventually got down to, I think, two of us. And uh, this other guy, very talented. I, I don't know where he is now, but very talented. I think he, I think he was Australian, actually. A very talented guy. And uh, he and I tapped and we you know, did the combination and, and whatnot, whatever they wanted us to do. Like a little duel, kind of. <laughs> a tap I guess. It's, it was like, it was, you know, they wanted to see skills and they wanted to see yeah, this, that, yeah. that thing. If I'm mm-hmm. remembering correctly, again, this is like, I don't know, over two years ago. And he was uh, a very, very talented tapper. Very mm-hmm. nice guy, too. And they sent us out back into the room, and, or back into the waiting room. And uh, they had us come back in. They, they sang us. They... We read the sides. We did everything. Um, and this was with, scarily enough, this was with Christopher Gatelli. Christopher Gatelli walked in the room. He wasn't supposed to be at the audition. And Tell me who that is, in, if I don't know. That is that is the uh, choreographer of Newsies. He, he won oh. the, the Tony Award for choreographing Newsies. Well, wow. And he choreographed, yeah. he choreographed SpongeBob on Broadway. And uh, his assistant, Lou, was leading the audition and we weren't supposed to see Chris Cricutelli, but obviously Chris Cricutelli walks in and we're like, mm. Oh my God, that's Chris Cricutelli. Yeah. Um, who's the nicest person ever and is an amazing person, an amazing choreographer, but so intimidating. You know, nerves yeah. are already, yeah, very intimidating. <laughs> and, um, obviously Tina Landau as well. She's in the room. She's the director of SpongeBob, the creator of the musical and like the acting person that people yeah. know. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, so it was very intimidating. It's, we came in, we said, we did our sides, we sang, and then eventually casting, I think, emailed me that weekend or early the next week. And they said, can you come back in, came back in, did another like 45 minutes to an hour work. And then they said, okay, we'll be in contact. And that weekend I was offered the role which was ah, amazing because everybody has a different story with that musical. Like they have months of audition. I had two weeks. So it, everybody had a different story with that, but it was very, very cool. A very cool period of time. Yeah. But even, of course. Yeah. Even still two weeks, you know, you're, you're going in there for a couple of hours and then you're waiting and then you get the email and then you go back, yeah. you know, it's like, that's yeah, really it is yeah, well, and at that point too, I had um, I had decided that if it was meant to be, it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And also, I had so many people in my life that had told me you have to play this role, like yeah. or you're going to play this role, you're going to do this and the other thing. So there was already so much pressure on it. But then I was like, you know what? If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And at the same time, I'm going to go into the audition room. And I think this is really important that I learned. At that point, I was like, I'm just going to have fun with the material because they're going to choose whoever they're going to choose no matter what. Right. So for whatever reason that you can't, you can't put your finger on. So it's true. So I learned 
a little bit there, but I, I kind of just let it be. And I was like, you know what? It was obviously I really wanted it, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And unfortunately it happened for me. So it did. Yeah. At that point, it's like, you know what? You're like, I know I could do this. I know I could sing, dance and act this completely perfectly or whatever, you know? And then it's like, all right, let's just do it and see what happens. Wow. So then you're Squidward. It's the first national tour. You're, you know, this iconic character that everybody knows, everybody loves. Um, and you get thrown into it. So if you could kind of sum up that whole experience, um, like, what did you learn? What was tour like? Like, all, all of it. Yeah, I don't know really where to start. I mean, the process <laughs> was really fast. We mm-hmm. put up the show in, like, a month and a half, I think. We, were, we started in August, right the day after my birthday. We started at, uh, August 19th, and you, we Hold on, went. you were in Schenectady, right? We started in Manhattan. Oh, uh, maybe we were in Queens. I don't know. Wherever we were. <laughs> it's okay. Um, we rehearsed for, I think it was for six weeks. And then we traveled out to Schenectady to uh, do tech and set yeah. the show. Yeah, it was that was crazy and very fast and a lot of fun and just a lot of things. Like, it was a lot of emotions and a lot of, like, I don't know. It was fear, but also loving and it was also you know everything you know everything that comes with the show but also like something this i don't want to say this big but this with this much pressure right it was like, like I, think you, I have to figure this out yeah like i think you probably realized i would assume you know at that point it's like all right like this is kind of a big break for me you know like this yeah. i don't know yeah so you're like going like, into it with that it was more or less it was really fun to get to work with people that I would normally not get to work with. People like Chris Catelli and Tina Landau and the whole list of, of people. It was a lot of fun to be in the room with people and to kind of craft. I mean, we were doing kind of a new version of the show because Tina had wanted to cut off some time, which actually ended up being similar, if not almost identical to the live production that was on Nickelodeon. There were a few things that were cut from that because they had to obviously shorten it down even more. But she wanted to cut off like 15, 20 minutes of the show. So we were kind of crafting a new show. We were also doing things with a new set. You know, she would ask, is there a way that we can do this? Is there a way that we can do that without having a set? And it was definitely a, a, a challenging experience, but it was very fun. And it was probably the most, if not one of the most rewarding things of my life. And now touring, touring was very grueling. It's a very tough schedule. It is very fun because you're in a different city and it is, you know, exciting to be in a new place, in a new venue, uh, seeing new things, seeing new people. But it is very, very, very grueling on like a split week where you have three days in this city and then three days in this city. It is really challenging, but it is very rewarding when you hit that city for like a week or two weeks or sure. wherever you may end up. So yeah. yeah, I had a lot of fun touring. I had a lot of fun doing that show and I loved that role. I loved doing that role. Yeah. I loved doing that a tap number and I loved just everything about it. I really loved oh. that show. So yeah, and well, the people too. All the people it. were really the people? great too. 
Yeah, you saw it. You saw it pretty early on. Yeah, it was Schenectady because that's where I I worked right next door to Proctor's Theater. And it was so funny because I remember one day, like, I was in my dressing room and I had the windows open and you literally, like, walked by, like, going into the theater. I'm like, (laughs) Cody! I was like, what is this? But, (laughs) yeah, it was was cool. I'm like, damn, like, look at it. Like, everyone's doing their thing. That's awesome. But then, um, yeah, I saw it with two of my friends who are not, like, theater people, but I was like, guys, would you want to spe- see, like, Spongebob, the musical? And they're like, what? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like yeah. no, you have to come. I'm like, Yeah, most friend. people have such an adverse yeah. reaction to it. They're like, Spongebob, why is that a musical? Yeah, but, I mean, they were so down, and, you know, obviously it's done so well. It's a great show. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, my friend is Squidward. Like, that, that was, like, a big deal. And I'm sure yeah. <laughs> it is. It was cool. And you were just so incredible in that role. You really were. And it was really cool Thank to you see you much. from... Yeah, from, you know, our college days to do that just a few years later. It's, it's awesome. And you had yeah, some a lot of fun. fans. Yeah, you had, like, some yeah, that's, fans. That, that's the thing. I mean, that, that show was so... The fan base was so there for that show. Um, mm-hmm. And there was people who had seen the show on Broadway, like, 40 times that would come see our show in, like, every city or, like, every other city. Interesting. And we would have wow. fan art, and we would have people just absolutely wild about the show and wild about the characters and by and large most of the people who had seen the show on broadway and saw our show they were like you know ecstatic about it they had no no problems that it was a new cast or whatever that whole whole spiel was but but yeah there was a crazy fan base for this show crazy fan base for the show but that's awesome it's great to have people that love the characters and also like the show touches people in a way that's you know i mean there's stories like People saying, like, I struggled with anxiety or I struggle with harmful aspects about myself or, you know, whatever. And I found the show and I I feel comforted or I feel like I'm okay or I'm going to get through it. And that was really, really rewarding because they, you know, were able to come see the show and be a part of it and have fun with it and and have fun with us. So, yeah. That's what I love about, you know, theater and performance in general. It's just a way to connect with other people, yeah. you know, and people are going to see it, the show, whatever it is, for different reasons. They're going there to escape or to help them right. come from something. And, you know, it just, um, I don't know, everyone has their own reasons, but you can all connect together and like the beauty of it, I guess. So, yeah, I so, agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you're having this amazing, amazing time playing this role incredibly traveling, traveling, and then COVID happens. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah unfortunately. unfortunately. So we were, we were traveling in, uh, when the first like news of this kind of broke or was big, we were traveling into Washington state, okay, which is where the outbreak was. Oh, and lovely. we were traveling to, I believe we were a town over from wherever the outbreak was or that they had found an outbreak or I, cause I don't know if this was here or I, I don't know what, what the, yeah. what the deal was, but this was right. like the big news. It was like, Washington has like hotels that are like quarantining people. Mm. Like the state had, had yeah. done something like this was what, like February, uh, March, 2020, probably this was, yeah, I think this was February, late February okay. and maybe mid February, but we were traveling to Washington and we were like scared out of our minds. Cause we were like, I, you know, this is new. Like, what is this? And yeah, whatever. And we were on, you know, calls with the production company and this, that, and the other thing about how to make sure that we're okay and that everybody's going to be okay. 
Um, and thankfully nobody got sick or nobody had anything, but yeah, so we were traveling to Washington state. We did a couple shows there. Then we flew to Denver for a, a two week sit in Denver. And throughout our first week in Denver, I think it was a Friday, the city of Denver had announced a quarantine and we're shutting all of the big venues and everything down. So we were like, okay, cool. We've got a weekend. Like we can just right. do whatever we want this weekend and we're yeah. still being paid for it. Yay. So <laughs> I think we met at the theater on that Saturday or that Sunday or something like that. I, the days kind of ran together at that point, but we met and our production manager was like, Hey, we're going to send everybody home for two weeks because we were about to go out to LA and LA was supposed to be a three week sit down in Hollywood. We were playing the Dolby theater which was like wow. the like height of the tour. It was like, yeah. wow, yeah. we're getting to play the Dolby Theater in, in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And that got shortened to two weeks because LA was doing their uh, quarantine or, or whatnot, whatever they called it. So they said, okay, we're going to fly you home for two weeks. We'll come back out. We'll meet in LA. We'll do two weeks in LA and then we'll travel on. So we fly home. Everybody flies home. They say, take your stuff out of your dressing room if you want it. Like, whatever you're going to get. I was like, well, what happens if like the tour ends? Like what, what's happening there? And our, I remember our production manager, he'd probably deny this now, but he was like, nah, it's not going to end. We're going to be fine. We'll come, we'll come to LA and we'll do this and the other thing. And I was like, okay, all right. So a week goes by at home and they call everybody and they say, we are ending the tour because, um, obviously they're, the theaters are closing and mm -hmm. we can't really travel. We can't really do anything. It's not logistic to continue this. It was like a huge shock because I was in, I, so I, obviously I had an apartment in the city at the time, but I was spending my layoffs in Maryland because my parents are here and we would break like for the holiday or whatever. So I was going to come here anyway. Right. So I, was in Maryland and I was like, what do I do? Like uh -huh. I'm in Maryland. I'm supposed to be going out to work again, but now it's, I don't have work. It's, like, right. It's gone. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. And everyone felt the same way. They were all like, of course. Oh my God, what, what's going on? Yeah. It was a real, real shock. And I, I assume that's the same way across everybody in the business. I'm sure there was somebody somewhere that was happy that their show was ending. <laughs> but, but that's just the odds of it. But most people, at least in our cast, were like devastated. Not like, you know, oh man, our show's ending. It was like, oh my God, like I don't have work. I love doing the show. Like this, that, the million, the reasons are in the millions. But, but yeah, COVID was very, very strange. And also it was still brand new at the time. Nobody knew what was going on. Right. So, you know, it was that, that level of fear and, and scariness and, you know, everything else packed on top of everything. So very sure. strange. Yeah. It's strange and sad. Cause you know, you're living your life. You're truly like, you know, having a great time and then it's right. just taken. It's awful. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it really is. But, um, what did you do during that time? If anything, to kind of keep yourself going? The first, um, few months was very kind of depressive and very, um, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And mm -hmm. as I'm sure everybody else felt, but I eventually started, um, 
exploring things that I had wanted to do in the past. Like I had started doing work with my uh, guitar because I'd written music and I started writing and I started, um, so, you know, I, I use a loop pedal normally if I'm going to play live because I like to add some tracks and I had always wanted to try tap dancing with my loop pedal. Yes. Your and, TikToks. Um, my TikToks and, and everything. And that was a fun period of time to like kind of explore that and figure out what that would be if that was ever something. And I haven't really done that live, which I want to do at some point, but yeah, you should. Um, I'm still kind of figuring out what, how, what that would be live. It's much easier, oddly enough, in a TikTok or a, a video format than it is yeah. live, but I have to figure it out. But, um, but yeah, I, I focused on that. I focused on doing things that I had wanted to do and, and things that I, you know, anything that was on the back burner, I was like, all right, let's do it now because there's no time right. else to, to do it because we're not doing anything. So then I started teaching a little bit around here, some tap and some stuff. I got a, a gig at a, a bar because I've worked in the service industry forever. And I was like, you know what? I'm around here. And I, I had a sublet up in New York during this time. And I was like, you know what? If you want to stay, you can stay. I'll hang out here because New York was pretty much closed. So I was like, you know, I'll hang out in Maryland and I'll figure out my life and what I want to do. And yeah, I started teaching and then I, I got the bar gig and it's kind of rocking and rolling and flash forward and now we're here. So, and now you're here. Yeah, I know it is. It's really obviously, I mean, everybody's talking about it, but this whole industry was basically taken away and you know, yeah, overnight, really overnight. Yeah. And you were in the thick of it. Like this was what you were doing to make your living and also, you know, what was giving you fulfillment. And it's really hard yeah. to have that all taken away and, and literally a night. Um, but you know, you've have, you've moved forward, you started getting creative in different ways and you know, yeah. it's as long as this has gone on, thankfully it's only temporary and you know, things will Fingers eventually, crossed. yes, <laughs> let's crossed. hope dude. I know seriously, yeah. but I don't you know, know how much more I can take, but, but yeah, yeah. but you know, yeah. you, you'll be back into it for sure. And then, um, another creative outlet that I want to speak with you about is your schoolie. So I had always gotten into that um, when I was in high school. I was obsessed with um, tiny houses and things like that. And I still am. But I always had this idea that I would end up living in a um, shipping container house. Where they okay. you know, build houses out of old shipping containers and stack them or position them in whatever way to kind of recycle material and do whatever with. So... I was like, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, I am going to get a school bus. I'm going to do this. This is the time to do it. I have money to do it. I'm going to do it. And then whenever this is over, I'll get rid of it and, you know, move on. I think it was either late February or March of 2021. I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to go into, you know, dive into this because at that point, coronavirus was, there was no end in sight. Like there was right. like what are we going to do? <laughs> um, yeah. So I was like, you know, might as well do it. I have money and I, let's, you know, at least a little bit of money. Let's throw it into this and, and see what I can do with it. And I got very, very far with it. But um, at this point I have actually given my schoolie away and it is now in the hands of 
I think his name is Chris, but it is in the hands of, of them and they are taking it and making it what they want and traveling. And I am moving. Uh, I have actually moved back to New York. I, um, weighed the options of going out on the road versus auditions coming back and life kind of somewhat returning to normal. So really what happened was in June, I was due to move out of my apartment in the city. And I went there and I was like, you know, I love living in New York. I love my life before coronavirus. I like this profession, at least in some aspect. And obviously there's, every day is different, but I like doing what I do. And I don't really want to, not that having a schoolie would be, um, I don't like know a bad thing, word, basically. It's not yeah. a bad thing, or it's not like a um, this or that type of situation. Gotcha. But, but I was like, you know, I really like living in New York. I really like this business. And if auditions are coming back and if things are coming back, then I want to be in New York. You want to be there. I want to be, yeah. be in my home. I was moving out of my apartment. I was like, I really miss it here. So I need to move back here. And I moved my stuff out. I figured out how, if I was going to sell the schoolie, if I was not going to, you know, let it sit or let it, you know, do whatever. Cause eventually I, I want to do that. And I will do that eventually and complete it. Yeah. I can't wait to see what they do with it. Cause I got pretty far with it, but I want to see what they come up with. And what they yeah. So for someone who doesn't know like what a schoolie is, um, what would you describe it as? It's basically a house on wheels. That's mm-hmm. what, how I would describe it. It's like, a. um, my, my plans for it was to travel to every park in the country, every national park in the country. That's so cool. Um, provided, you know, they're open and, and whatnot because of coronavirus. But, um, yeah, so you can basically build out whatever. You take out the seats and then you put a kitchen or a living room or a little bed and yeah. kind of travel around. Yeah, you built this whole thing, you know, in your backyard, yeah, basically, so right? I, yeah, so I built... Uh, I took everything out. Me and my, my father helped out. We took all of the seats out. We ripped like the, basically everything out and then mm-hmm. put a floor in. We did a deck on top and we put in, uh, I built skylights in it and I put in, um, solar panels so that you could be off grid and whatnot. And it was a lot of work, a lot, a lot, a lot For of work. sure. Yeah. But it was rewarding because I learned so much and it's something that I've always wanted to do. And now when I do something that like that in the future, I will have the backbone. And when I retire and like live in the mountains somewhere, yeah, I'll right. be able to, to figure it out. So yeah, and no, it was rewarding and it was also something to do. Like I was, you know, I, I always have something that I'm working on or a project that I'm trying to do. And mm-hmm. that was just the project that period of time. So and that's yeah. the lesson, you know, there's all, all these adventures you could have literally you could, you know, build a house and then travel the country on it. But, you know, no matter what right. it is, you know, you have something to focus on and then right. see what you could create out of it. Live your life and move it forward. Yeah. Right. So now um, you plan on moving to the city soon, I guess. I'm actually, I've already moved in. I've moved in oh. um, the start of this month or maybe a oh, few nice. before this month. Yeah. Good for you. So yeah, so it's been good and it's been a, a shock because I haven't been back in the city for a period of time. And now I'm not, obviously I'm home in Maryland because my puppy just had a surgery, but um, he should be fine. We should be heading back up 
pretty soon. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's culture shock back in the city. Cause it's like, you know, what is it post coronavirus? I haven't been there since 2019. I've not been right. in the city since 2019. And then all of a sudden I'm in the city and I'm like, this is so different, but it's also the same. It's like, I never left, but something's different. And it's, something's you know, different. you can't quite put your finger on it. But yeah, it's fun. Just the world went to shit for a sec, but now we're back. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just something true. different. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. That's very but yeah. true. But yeah, I don't know. It's, um, I, I love it. I love living in the city and I can't wait for things to open up or start. I mean, they already have kind of opened up, but I'm, I can't wait for shows to come back and for, you know, people to, to get back on stage. So yeah. Oh, it's so exciting. September, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be opening. Oh, September, so. I think, 14th. Mm-hmm. So it should be pretty soon. Should it's pretty coming. Soon, so. Not that I'm all for bootlegs or whatever at all, but I really hope someone records, you know, the first moments of like, oh, I the hope big so shows. Too. I have yeah. at least the curtain calls because that's, they yes. can easily record that. And Wicked, I'm sure Wicked will be, Wicked sold out, I think, that night. I'm sure. And I forget the other show that's, uh, that's coming back. I think they're all like kind of staggering it where they're kind of, mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that, but at least they were in the beginning where they were like, Oh, this show's going to open up. Okay. Then this show's going to open up and this show's going to open up. So there will be a lot of tears and a lot of emotion. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it'll be a big that, night, so. big night for yeah. sure. It's exciting. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about your puppy for a second. Cause you have this cute puppy. I saw you're yeah. teaching it or you were the, the little buttons. Um, yeah. So he speak. has, there's a dog called, I think her name is bunny and she's yes, a big uh, bunny. poodle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she, um, learned how to use all of these buttons and can like have a full conversation with the owner. And I was like, Crazy. you know what? That's, that's not hard to do. If you, you know, train one button, you can kind of get them to do others. So mm-hmm. over time, and the buttons now, say, like sit, whatever outside. They say, whatever, um, know. he has one for hungry, tired, play names, his name, Jesse, and then dad, which is me. Okay. And then he has one for outside. He used to have one for upstairs because he was brought up, in a house rather than an apartment, but that one's not really used that much anymore, but I keep adding on ones over time. It's so and he cool. uses them pretty frequently and he'll, you know, go over and he'll say play and then he wants to play and oh my if he, God. you know, does whatever. So, so yeah, I mean, it's very fun to be able to talk to your dog because it's hard to know what they want or if they have a problem or if they have, you know, pain somewhere, they have, you know, you want them to be able to express that because that's vital information for the owner. So, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where they started with bunny and they were like, you know, I want my dog to be able to communicate to me so that I, if there's a problem, like she can say like stranger, if there's like a stranger outside or a stranger in the house or something like that, or like scared or whatever, you know, so it's very, very valuable. So it is, but it's also a lot of fun to, to teach your puppy to talk. So, yeah. So. <laughs> it, yeah, it's so cool. But it's like, you know, we know, we all know how smart dogs really are. And it's like, they, there just yeah. hasn't been a way for them to actually have a conversation with us. And now maybe, right. you know, there might be. So, well, and that's what they're learning with. I mean, they're studying that dog funny for, um, uh, I think it was at, at some university to, to understand the parameters of their intelligence. And she can have like existential questions. She has some existential questions that are like, we didn't really think could happen with dogs 
But that's insane. Now it's kind of like, well, maybe maybe they do kind of know that they are who they are and like they know what's going on. So it's like, yeah, oh, I don't know. Wow, so, we're going to enter a new era with dogs. They're about to take over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> no, honestly, seems like a pretty great day to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just two more questions for you. You know, you've been through so much, honestly, over the past like two years, um, a lot of ups, some downs, and now, you know, you're making your way back into the city and hopefully a more normal life. Um, if you're looking at your future now, like, how do you view it? I still kind of take it a day at a time because obviously there's still some fear that things could close or things could go down again, obviously with Delta going around and that whole mess and nonsense. But I think that it will return to normal eventually because people need it to like, seriously, like people are like, if we go through another shutdown, I don't know what's going to happen because people are losing their minds. And they were already losing their minds. But I think people need it to, to come back. And I think people need real connection again. Because it's yeah. it's one thing, like, sitting on the other end of a TV screen is one thing. Whereas being in the same room as somebody creating something. Like, I can't wait to go sit down and see a play. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I really want to go do. I want to go uh-huh. sit there and I want to see a play. And I want to feel the emotion of a play. Yeah. And I think people will eventually do that and I uh, hopefully I am lucky enough to do it again on the opposite side on the stage side so Mm -hmm. I think that it will be back in full swing in some capacity I hope very soon but it will come back because it has to it yeah and never take it for granted again you know I don't know well that's the thing too yeah yeah Yeah, I mean I I Fortunately, on that last contract, it was such a, a dream role and it's such a dream show for me that I I really gave it my all every day. I never left anything more for what I wanted to do each day. Good for you. But I have learned that's how you have to kind of do every show because you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen and you don't know how fast something can be taken away from you. So yeah. the, the lesson out of 2020 was definitely that. I right. Think. Yeah, not even just with, you know, your career, but even just in life, you know, leave it all right. out there. That's that's really the lesson. So, right. the, you know, as hard as I'm sure it was for you, that's a really great thing to take away from it that is. time. Of so, it is. Yeah. It is. Well, there's so many great things ahead for you, for sure. Absolutely. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I'm sure there, there are. Either, in, <laughs> yeah. in whatever aspect, you know, and that's the same thing. Like, I've loved the time that I've gotten to teach, and I think that that's what I'm eventually I'm in conversations with a few places in, in New York, and I'm also traveling down here at some points to teach down here throughout the fall. And, you know, if my life is to become kind of more educational, I'm okay with that because I really love sharing performance, and I like, uh, in whatever capacity, using my creativity and helping young people discover a bug of, you know, yeah. theater or dance or whatever which is kind of the same thing as performing in that respect because you get the young people in the audience excited about doing whatever so and there is something really so special about that time when you know you're finding that bug for the first time and you really love it and it's like it's just all consuming you're like wow this is like why i want to live and be here you know so to be a mentor during that time is is truly something special yeah it's a lot of fun so um, one more question for you that I love just to ask everybody. Um, what, what is it that you value at the end of the day? 
Um, honestly, that I got to have another day. Mm. That I yeah. was able to wake up and experience life in some capacity another day. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you truly never know. And you, especially th- like throughout this time, I really learned as well that things are impermanent. Like even life is impermanent. Like it's, it's not, it's that you don't really comprehend that when you're younger. And I'm glad that like coronavirus kind of happened. It's like 25 or whenever it happened, I was 26. And like, that's a time where you're like, Oh, whatever. Like life, right. you know, you don't really care. You don't really comprehend that. But throughout 2020, I was like, wow, yeah, this is like impermanent. People yeah. are, you know, really suffering either from a virus or from this or whatever they're suffering from. And I'm like, wow, this is really impermanent. Life is really special. And really like every day that you have another day, every day you wake up is a great day. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I would say I value that. And and on top of that, obviously family and connections and like that and the other thing, but that only comes if you wake up the next day. So you're right. And like we just said before, but never taking it for granted, you know, we have this day, do what you can with it. Yeah. Do what you can with this day and just enjoy it. Cause we're not here forever. This is life. So nothing's that serious. We just got to live. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Cody, thank you so much for your time today. Um, you really are a great person to learn from and, you know, just to hear a little bit more about your story is awesome. Where can people find you online if uh, they want to connect with you? Uh, you can find me on most, most places I'm at play it Cooley, P L A Y I T and my last name Cooley. And you can follow me or send me a message or do whatever. I'm kind of pretty open these days. So perfect. All right. Well, can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you for Uh, your time. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, this was fun. And I hope the, the lottery is is fruitful and it is plentiful. And I hope that they at least give you one winning ticket. <laughs> you know, they can't do that, but I wish they could. Yeah. I really wish they yeah. could. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I'm happy. All right. Well, you have a good day and uh, we'll talk soon. You as well. Thanks, right. Cody. Let's see Bye. you. Bye. You as well.